The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's a Wednesday PFTOT, the little extra show where we talk about things we didn't get to during PFT Live or we talk more about things that we talked about, but we didn't have time to talk about them as much as we wanted to. Chris, we need to talk a little bit more about the new deal that's been done between the Saints and receiver Michael Thomas. That news broke during the final half hour of PFT Live. It's a five-year extension, $20 million per year in new money. Total value at signing $16.85 million. And for a guy who was due to make $1.1 million this year, he's getting a $20 million signing bonus. He'll make $32.6 million over the next two seasons. Pretty good for the Saints to get it done. Pretty good for Michael Thomas to get paid like one of the best receivers in the game. Yeah, that, that's right. He's such an important part to what they do on the offensive side of the ball. Again, they're a team that's still in the Super Bowl window. Uh, they don't have a great receiving core around there. He's really the the biggest, most proven commodity they have there. I know like Ted Ginn's there and things like that, but he's more of a, a specialist, a take-a-top-off-the-defense type of guy. But Michael Thomas, smart, physical, really, I think, embodies everything Sean Payton wants at the wide receiver position. He works the middle of the field, which I think is very conducive for Drew Brees at this point of his career because his arm is not the same as it was in years past. So good for Michael Thomas. That's a great deal for him. Good, good get some money in his pocket. And really, two or three years down the road, I don't think this is going to be that big of a deal in general just because of the way the NFL and the business is going that, yeah, I mean, he might not be happy with his contract three years from now. That's one of the realities is we see more and more guys do five years ex- uh, extensions while in the final year of a rookie contract committing through 2024. The NFL landscape is going to change dramatically, folks, over the next few years. New CBA is likely going to drive up the salary cap. New TV deals will likely drive up the salary cap. Gambling revenue will likely drive up the salary cap. So as the cap goes up, spending goes up, other players at the same position make more money. Yeah. You're going to look around if you're Michael Thomas or if you're Xavier Howard to the Dolphins or if you're Kevin Byer to the Titans. A lot of these guys who have done these five-year extensions with one year left on rookie deals, they're going to say, what the hell? Yeah. I'm getting screwed here, and teams are going to have to deal with that. But you know what? They're not going to have to deal with it because – They've got the contract that gives them the flexibility to squat on that guy for as long as they want to. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, and, you know, to, to talk about all the things you talked about with the changing landscape, hey, the landscape's changing for the players too. They've become very business savvy. And I don't think Michael Thomas gives a damn that in three years from now, if he's still, you know, putting up the numbers he has been put uh, putting up the last two years and in the conversation for one of the five best receivers in football, then he's going to say, you know what? I'll sit out again. And he's going to do it all over again. He certainly didn't seem afraid to do it this year. He knows what he's worth. And I think we're continuing to see that aspect from NFL players that they're not as, not as uh, inclined to shy away from the hard hard business tactics tactics that were kind of used against them for years and years. Well, we saw Antonio Brown pull it off this year. And that's the thing. If you're a great, great receiver or a great player at any other position, the world may be changing and you may have uh, options that you didn't have in past years when it comes to telling a team, I am no longer interested in playing for you or I am going to hold out 
with three years left on a contract. And I'm trying to pull up here as I multitask the uh, the list of receivers taken before Michael Thomas. There were several guys, several guys who didn't pan out taken before him. And the Saints, great job by them identifying Michael Thomas, developing him into a great player, and great job by him rising to that challenge and becoming one of the best receivers in the National Football League. Yep. Right. Uh, the uh, Miami Dolphins, we talked about this a little bit during the show. They have two quarterbacks. They're trying to figure out who the starter is going to be. Many assume Josh Rosen would easily beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. So far, Fitzpatrick is the better of the two. Coach Brian Flores pointed that out to reporters on Tuesday. And something that I threw out there at the end of our discussion, Chris, I want to build on that and elaborate on that a little bit and get your thoughts some more on it. How much of this is a test by the Dolphins of Josh Rosen's ability to deal with the adversity that comes from not being the number one quarterback, not being the guy, not being the smartest guy in the room because of the presence of the Harvard-educated Ryan Fitzpatrick. Is this all part of an effort to see how he handles being in a situation where things aren't as easy for him as he thought they were going to be? I, I don't think you're far, you know, far off there, Mike. I, you know, I don't know if there was like – an intentional, oh, let's start Ryan Fitzpatrick just to see how Rosen, you know, reacts to it. But I just knowing that group there in Miami, I'm sure this is one of the things they wanted to see Josh Rosen handle anyways, which was some adversity. Things aren't going good. We're going to talk about the other guy. You know, how does he handle that? Those are those are some of the things that everybody questioned about Josh Rosen a little bit coming out in the draft. Now, he handled his rookie season with the Arizona Cardinals very well. And even last offseason with the draft and the Kyler Murray talk, he really did a phenomenal job there other than maybe unfollowing the Cardinals the night of the draft as soon as they uh, picked Kyler Murray. That might have been a hair petty if we're going to be nitpicky and things like that. But, uh, you know, one thing from the New England regime of coaches, and it goes back to Bill Parcells and when Bill Belichick was coaching with the Giants under Parcells and my dad was the quarterback and all that, they they want, you know, the, I always kind of bumble this phrase, but they want – they're, they want their, their, their quarterback to be a sergeant or a, 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 a commander, not, you know, not the, uh, what do I want to say, the cruise ship, you know, commandeer who's just showing everybody. They want a guy that's battle-tested, tough mentally, can handle the offense, do all those things, and they're going to find that out with Josh Rosen as uh, this situation plays out. Yeah, and, and look, they've got three years and a little over $6 million in total compensation. They can they can take their time and see what they have, but there is going to be some urgency because there's a belief that the Dolphins don't perform well this year. Next year is the year to look into drafting a guy who has developed into their franchise quarterback. And this is a team now that's 20 years removed from Dan Marino, and they've yet to find that true year-in and year-out franchise quarterback. They gave Ryan Tannehill a long time yep. to show whether or not he could be a franchise guy. I don't know that Josh Rosen is going to have that same luxury, and the sooner he gets on the field, the sooner they're going to find out what kind of a player he is. But in the interim, they're going to find out what kind of a guy he is yeah. if he has to deal with being second fiddle to Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right, Larry Fitzgerald of the Arizona Cardinals, who was a top three pick back in, what, 2004? He's now dealing with another rookie quarterback, and he's had a lot of quarterbacks, veterans, rookies, journeymen, et cetera. 
and he is gushing about Kyler Murray, the first overall pick in this year's draft. Chris, I've never seen a quarterback come in so quickly and be able to command an offense. I mean, from day one, he's out there checking the different plays, sliding a line, different protections, getting us in screens when blitzes are coming. His understanding of the offense is crazy. Giving him the keys to the car and letting him go is going to be great for us. Now, it's high praise from a Hall of Fame receiver, one of the best receivers of all time, but it's also a reflection. He hasn't had many great rookie receivers to, or quarterbacks to compare Kyler Murray to. No. It's not like they've rolled Aaron Rodgers through there or any of the other great quarterbacks that we've seen over the last 15 years. They have had a hard time. The highest profile quarterback he's had other than Kyler Murray is Matt Leinert right. for crying out loud. Right. So it's it's a low bar to compare Kyler Murray to some of the other rookies he's seen. Yeah, well, you know, let's not forget, though, people thought Matt Leinert was that guy when he was coming out of USC and all those great teams and everything like that. Um, you know, I, I think the big thing is with Kyler Murray, he's got the great advantage here, which is very rare for a rookie quarterback to be familiar with a system the second he gets in the building and not only be familiar with the system, but be more familiar with it than anybody else because this is the offense he ran in college. But wait, wait, wait. I'm so surprised by this development because I thought Kyler Murray wasn't a good leader and wasn't good in the classroom and all those things that came out. Oh, oh, that was BS, I guess, I guess. Because Larry said, Joe, everything we're hearing about Kyler Murray is positive, positive, positive. It seems very much like the first training camp uh, we heard with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe not with the command of the offense, but it just seems like every few days it's holy cow. Kyler Murray did this. Holy cow, you should see Kyler Murray do that. And he's obviously showing a lot of positive things for guys like Larry Fitzgerald to just continue to gush about him. And and you and I are both rooting hard for Kyler Murray to be great. Yeah. No, no offense to the 49ers, Seahawks, or Rams, but I think the NFL is more compelling. The more great quarterbacks are in there, and the more of those top picks – pan out. I want Daniel Jones to pan out. I want Dwayne Haskins to pan out. I want every team to have a quarterback who can right. play at a high level because the NFL will be much better if every team has that quarterback and then a backup who can come in and get it done. That That's the problem with the NFL right now. There's not enough good quarterbacks to go around. Maybe the Cardinals have finally found one who isn't going to be an aging veteran like Kurt Warner or Carson Palmer, right. a guy they can take from day one of his career and really develop something special. All right. Something unusual that came up on Tuesday. And I don't know what to make of this, and I don't know how much merit it actually has within the confines of the lawsuit where the allegation is made. But a guy who was involved in a car accident with Ezekiel Elliott in January of 2017 has filed suit for the injuries that he allegedly suffered in that car accident. But one of the claims he's made, and he's actually sued the Cowboys for covering up the severity of the accident, working with the Frisco Police Department, and conspiring with them to cover up the severity of the accident so that Elliott would not be held out of an upcoming playoff game against the Packers due to a concussion that this guy's lawyer insists Elliott would have been diagnosed with if the Cowboys and the police hadn't conspired to cover up the severity of the accident. Here's the problem. As it relates to the injury suffered by the other driver, none of this means a damn thing. All that matters is Elliott's insurance company and then if Elliot doesn't have enough insurance, and shame on him if he doesn't, paying for this guy's reasonable uh, medical bills, lost wages, 
pain and suffering, et cetera. It's a simple garden variety car, uh, uh, car accident, period. It's just so bizarre that this this notion of a cover-up is being thrust into this lawsuit. And I, it, it seems like a frivolous claim to me, and I'm always hesitant about using that word, Chris, because that that's a word that people who just don't like being held accountable will throw around to yeah. demean lawsuits generally. But it seems kind of frivolous to accuse the Cowboys of covering something up when that has nothing to do with this person's attempt to try to get fair compensation for the injury he suffered. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, yes. And, you know, I mean, it does seem frivolous. And also just whoa, it's uh, two and a half years later. And now we're hearing about this. Now the guy's upset about it. You know, uh, okay. You know, first thing I think of is he would have been in concussion protocol. Man, he ran 22 times for 125 yards in that Green Bay playoff game. So, damn, I don't know what he would have done if he didn't have a concussion. That's pretty impressive. But, yeah, I'm a little confused by it as well, Mike. I mean, are they is he just suing the Cowboys just because of the cover up of doing the uh, saying the, the covering up the, the the severity of it? Sorry, I couldn't spit that out. Or is he trying? I mean, is Ezekiel Elliott driving a Cowboys car? How could you even throw a lawsuit out yeah. of the Cowboys? There, I don't get that. No, the, the the only claim that was mentioned in the TMZ report, and I actually get a statement from the guy's lawyer, is this idea that there was a cover up. And and you're you're onto something. You know, there is responsibility from the Cowboys if he's driving Jerry Jones bus, for example, or you know, there's some other official duty that he's involved in at the time that that he does this. But if this is just Ezekiel Elliott driving to work. Uh, it's it's between Ezekiel Elliott, his insurance company, and the other driver. And uh, the idea that, that Gary Brown, the Cowboys running backs coach, ran out allegedly and said, we'll take care of all this, and it was all hush-hush, and nobody found out how badly Ezekiel Elliott was injured, and he still rushed for 125 yards in the game against the Packers that the Packers would go on to win and secure a berth in the NFC Championship game. It, it just it, – feels like an attention grab. It feels like a way to pressure Ezekiel Elliott. It, it feels weird to me. Now, it's possible there was a cover-up. It's possible there was some sort of a conspiracy, but it has nothing to do with this guy who was involved in the accident. That's what's so weird about it. It just feels like the guy's lawyer is trying to make trouble. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And, oh, I mean, so what? His running back coach showed up and said, we'll take care. I mean, you know, who knows what he's saying by that? We'll take care of it. We'll make sure everybody's all right. Well, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. But, I mean, just because the running back coach showed up, too, doesn't mean the Dallas Cowboys and the Jerry, jo Jerry Jones and the Jones family is involved in this. So, yeah, I, I, it does seem weird. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, I, I got to see, I guess, more evidence here before I make a final determination on how I really feel about it. Washington quarterback Alex Smith suffered a gruesome leg injury last year. You recently talked to Joe Theismann in Tahoe about his leg injury, and Theismann never played again. Smith isn't going to play this year. He had an infection. He had surgeries. He had an external fixator on the leg for an extended period of time to hold it in place because they couldn't put hardware inside the leg because of the infection. He tells uh, Yahoo Sports that he he wants to play. He intends to play again. That, that to me, is stunning. Uh, but you know what? I wouldn't bet against a guy like Alex Smith because if anybody can come back from it, it's a professional athlete, a professional football player who is accustomed to overcoming adversity after adversity after adversity. But I, I still – I think that that, that, that is uh, a long shot at this point for Alex Smith to get back to a point where he can play. Again. Yeah, I, it's, it's wishful thinking. I mean, I hope he can play, certainly. I mean, I know he works hard and takes care of his body and does all those things. So he's going to give himself all the advantages he needs to, to maybe get that chance to play. Uh, but, man. 
That was a gruesome, gruesome injury. It really was. You're not just going to bounce back from that right away. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're not – he's just walking as of right now, right? I mean, we're, we're not hearing any reports. He's not even jogging, doing anything like that, right? So it's, it's a long way off. He's going to miss this year. But don't be surprised because you know what football players do? They play football, and we're dumb as hell when it comes to that. I mean, gosh, I lost my spleen and almost died in Mike, and I went to the doctor's office in week 15 of that season because I was like, you know what? I think I might try to play the last two weeks of the year. Even though we stunk as a team and I lost an internal organ, I just thought, oh, I think I'm good enough to go out there and take some hits, and I could throw the ball around. I'm going to go play. And that's just the, the meatheadedness or the loyalty or the love of the game some of the guys have in the NFL, and I'm sure Alex Smith is going to get everything he's got. Uh, and, and I agree with that completely. And one of the things he's been doing, he's been giving it all he has in the meeting room. He had been present for every quarterback meeting, and he's doing what he can to help get the other guys on the team ready to go. And, and you look at, at the praise he still gets for developing Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, even yep. though he knew Mahomes is being groomed to take over as the starting quarterback now in Washington. And look, if he plays again, it's not going to be for Washington. That's for damn sure. Yeah. They've got Dwayne Haskins ready to go. Right. But I still believe Alex Smith will do everything he can to impart his wisdom, his knowledge, his experiences to help those quarterbacks get better at what they do. Right. One guy who is surprisingly getting better at quarterback Nathan Peterman drawing some gratuitous praise from John Gruden we played during the show the clip where he cuts off a question and he interjects Nathan Peterman is really growing on me and this is a guy that Gruden praised excessively before the 2017 draft when Gruden was still an analyst at ESPN Peterman was entering the draft out of Pitt a place where Gruden once was an assistant coach could it be that Peterman gets groomed into this next Rich Gannon, right? This guy. Gannon was around the NFL for a long time before he and Gruden got together. Gannon was never a very good quarterback. He became a league MVP under Gruden's tutelage. He was the league MVP after Gruden left. That's how good Gruden made the guy. Right, right. Could could, could it be that the Raiders roll into Las Vegas next year with not Derek Carr – but Nathan Peterman is the starting quarterback. Well, I, I, you know, I'm not going to go that far. But I know John, John Gruden, hey, we know he's always looking for quarterbacks and always looking for guys. I mean, certainly is. Now, you know, this is where the NFL and evaluating always gets funny to me because, you know, it's once a coach likes a guy, they have a hard time getting off the guy. I guarantee if John Gruden didn't like a quarterback and he had the same results Nathan Peterman has had, which has like basically been a pick six every other throw he's made in his career, gosh, uh, there's no way John Gruden would sign him but but since he loved them in the draft nobody can ever get off nobody's ever been wrong in the history of the NFL when you talk to coaches or GMs they had it all right something somehow got messed up and that's why it wasn't their fault so again Nathan Peterman's obviously impressed a lot of people with practice that's how he's became the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills what two different times so there is that aspect there's things that I certainly liked when he came out of Pittsburgh and he has some physical attributes that you do like he throws a pretty ball it's a good arm he's a better athlete than people realize uh, he's very accurate but the simple fact of the matter is right now as when he's gotten a chance to play in real games it's been horrible I mean there's no other way to say it <laughs> so we'll see how it goes and he's going to have to regain his confidence and probably other guys on the team's confidence too with going out there and playing good in the preseason and if he does get in the regular season hopefully he can play well then as well 
Chris, I'm sure I've told you this before, but it's worth mentioning for anyone who hasn't heard it. Remember that disastrous game he had against the Chargers yeah. where, what did he have, five interceptions I in think the first was, half or yeah. something like that? I think it was six, I, yeah. Well, I, 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 took, I took his stats, and I – I've made the I I made it like he was intending to throw the ball to Chargers players, even <laughs> though the Chargers players were on defense, right? right? So every interception counted as a completion. Every actual completion to a Bills player counted as an interception. Every pick six counted as a touchdown. I took that and flipped it and ran it through the formula for the passer rating. He had a dramatically higher passer rating if he was actually intending to throw the ball to Chargers players <laughs> right. than the passer rating that was generated <laughs> by intending to throw the ball to Bills players. That's how bad it was. But three touchdown passes, 12 interceptions for his career so far. But this would be the ultimate proof that John Gruden is that mad scientist who can turn anyone into a competent NFL quarterback. Hell, he almost did it with you. Uh, that's right. He almost did it with me, but yeah, just 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 failed. He couldn't overcome my idiotness on a daily basis on that one. But uh, I'll say this at the very least. It's very high praise, just knowing the John Gruden way, his dictionary, anything about him, being around him more than I think any other quarterback has been in his time in the NFL. For him to just cut a guy off, like you said at the start here, and just start gushing about Nathan Peterman, one means he just had a great practice there right before he got in the podium, but two means he's done really well up to that point to where John Gruden just couldn't take it and felt like he had to give the guy some praise. So, you know, that's a good sign for Nathan Peterson regard, uh, Peterman regardless. And, and look, I appreciate the fact that you're self-deprecating. There aren't many former NFL quarterbacks that are capable of doing that. You were on the brink of becoming very good, but for that that game uh, against Carolina that resulted in, in you almost dying. And, and, you know, I've given you praise for this before. That was a heroic performance. And it's a shame that it happened when it did, because in today's NFL, there's no way they're letting you stay in that game as long as you did. Right. Um, not, not, you know, not that it would have saved your spleen, because once it goes, it goes. But but still, that, that was a heroic performance, and I think you were in the process of making it all fall together. And you've told me before, you you felt like this was your opportunity to prove yeah. that you know you can stand up on your own and be a successful NFL quarterback, and you can take the hits and you can fight through it regardless of who your dad was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. You know, we came off the 2005 season where we went to the playoffs, and I did a lot of good things, and you know, we won some really close games late in the fourth quarter where we came back to win. I felt like, oh gosh, this is it. I'm finally going to be the starting quarterback in the NFL. We got off to a rough start that year, the year I lost my spleen. It wasn't pretty. We lost some ugly games. I didn't play that great either, but we weren't a great football team. And either way, hey, yeah, the injury is part of the game. It's part of doing business in the NFL. It's okay. Did it shorten my career? Do I still wish I could have got played longer? I definitely do, but I got a lot of things in my life to be uh, feel very fortunate about. And the gift that just keeps on giving, working with you four days a week, might have never presented itself if not for that injury. So it's such a great yeah, gift. Yeah, you, lo you, you love it so much. You only do it four days a week. Four you need Friday off so you can recover. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, you, you get the next uh, 20 or so hours off to recover from today. We'll do it again on Thursday, Chris. Great stuff as always. We'll see everybody on Thursday morning for PFT Live. There'll be a new PFT PM today. Chris, the next there's a new unbuttoned out from yesterday and then another one coming later this week. Yep, there'll be one Thursday afternoon. We'll drop a new fresh podcast from Chris Sims Unbuttoned. Will you wear a hat 
like a Brooklyn hipster like Liam did earlier this week. Absolutely Does he not. challenge you to wear a hat? That's not happening. I don't wear hats. I don't like to wear hats. I'm not. Ha- it's not happening. You won't see me in one anytime soon. You know why? Why? Because your head's too big. You can't <laughs> find a hat that fits it's it. It's a very good reason. Yes, it's very real. <laughs> All right. Not uh, so well, big this that- way, but long this way. If it does, if hey, look, my, my my child has a large head. He has a hard time finding hats that fit him. When he finds them, he keeps them. But it's you know, they're, they're, it doesn't take much to to you know. There's the, the there's the normal human head, and it yeah. doesn't take much to right. stretch beyond that and screw up a hat. All right, the fashion tip. Oh baby, the the look door. at that there. That Woo! was quick. Where did that come from? Man, look that, at that's, that. That's it. somebody's been somebody's been. Look at look at my kids looking at me saying, "What the hell is wrong with you?" Yeah, that's probably the last time I wore a hat. Yeah, well, he's it like, "Why are you dressed toupee? like you're a coach for the Minnesota Vikings? Who are you?" Yeah. <laughs> that may have been that may have been like the day we brought him home from the hospital or close to it. So uh, that was almost 23 years ago. All right, uh, that was. Uh, that was a fun surprise. Yeah. I don't know whether to say thank you or screw you to whoever threw that up there, but let's get out of here. Uh, I'm going to quit while I'm behind. See you tomorrow for a new edition of PFT Live. Chris, great work, and uh, we'll talk Thursday. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.